where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Season 5, Episode 11, The Book of Samuel. I'm John and today I'm joined by James and by Troy in the middle of his trilogy that he's recording with us. Oi. Oh, oh, this is a good one, Troy. It's a good, the difficult second album. This episode was released on the 11th of December, 1986, so quite a while away. Who wrote this one, James? Thief Sutton. And of course, directed by James Burroughs. Jimmy B. It's quite an episode, I think. Uh, by, the, by the name, we get an idea of what it might be about. But before we get into that, should we talk about the cold open? Yes. It's a classic Frasier. Frasier's in the bar. I feel like we haven't really seen him for a while. He was in the last episode, but he didn't say much. So he's comparing his and Woody's kind of career and, and jobs in that they're both there and sort of paid to listen to other people's troubles and strifes and daily concerns and issues and whatnot. And it quickly becomes apparent that Frazier kind of starts venting and doing exactly what it is that they're discussing. I know just how you feel, Dr. Crane. Actually, I suppose you do. Our professions are really very much alike. We both have to listen patiently while people unload their grief and suffering. It's, sometimes it's just more than I can bear. I know just how you feel, Dr. Green. You know, if only I had your ability to listen to a person's problem, sympathize with them, and yet still go on about my business calmly and happily. But how do you do it, Wood? I know just how you feel, Dr. Green. <laughs> You're not listening to me, are you? I know just how you feel, Dr. Crane. How about a double scotch rocks? Coming right up. I like this call, though, because there's a lot of truth in that the bartender, as a, as a trope, is given that kind of support. And this happens in a lot of shows. Do you have any particular notable examples outside of Cheers? I can't think of an example outside of Cheers, like another show. But my girlfriend often says the same thing, like as a hairdresser, they're almost like an agony aunt and they're there as like for, for their clients to kind of vent and there's almost that kind of confidentiality. And I know it from working in bars as well, like even working on bars as a doorman as well. And you'll get people that will step outside or over in the queue or that they go out to have a cigarette and you just strike up a conversation. But when you then start to get those same regulars coming back in and you build up that rapport and you kind of quickly become like almost like a sort of sounding board for for what it is they kind of want to get off their chest so it then becomes kind of quite therapeutic for them so yeah i i know exactly where they're both coming from with that you talked a lot about the art of conversation that's a lot deeper than my answer so i i'm going i'll be put to shame i, I was going to say whoopi goldberg in star trek oh yeah 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 <laughs> can i coin a phrase called the the blue collar psychologist psychologist psychiatrist you can if you can say it properly well, yeah. <laughs> That feels like a good phrase, though. If I could say it, I'd write a book. <laughs> but it also reminded me a bit of like a Westworld situation where as soon as a, like an order was ordered, it was like a robot where it's like default setting, default setting, default setting, and orders in, I'll do the order. He's on autopilot. But let's jump into the main episode as we find out that Sam's going on holiday. This fishing trip, loves his fishing, and he can't get enough of it. So I think he's not long come back from one and instantly wants to go on another one. He loves a bit of it. Loves it. Loves some angling. Angling weekly. And basically then has to decide who he wants to run the bar. So it's between Diane and Carla and Woody. And they're all just straight away, me, 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 me. Sounds all about that bass. 
(laughs) Big Billy Bass above his desk. And he can't decide, so he uses the potato rhyme. Diane points out, well, with three people, it always ends up on the same person that you started with. So he doesn't do that. And he comes up with the other rhyme where it's something along the lines of, Something, something, my dog died. What colour was its blood? And Diane's like, what? Yes. Whoa, what kind, of, what kind of sick childhood game is this, sir? And Carla's like, hey, we play this all the time at the Tortellia. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's a bit much. I've heard of one potato. Yeah, but I've heard of plenty of rhymes to decide, but certainly not this one. Yeah, this... This is niche, isn't it? <laughs> Local to the Boston area, maybe. They decide by the, the baseball bat in the end. That's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, it's because the colour Diane suggests, Sam doesn't know how to spell. <laughs> All right, Marv. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, well, here we go, yeah. We'll use a bat here. Good idea. Yes, they use the baseball bat to decide, and I think... As soon as he mentions, oh, we'll use the baseball bat to decide, Carla then grabs it and screams, okay, I'm in charge. <laughs> like, that's not how it works, darling. But we find out Woody comes on top and he's going to be in charge of the bar for the, the week. Not through any kind of arbitrary task, but he was the only one who just did whatever Sam said without complaining. You're the only one that hasn't given me a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> Carla then makes out that she's going to give him a hard time now that he's in charge of the bar. So that sets up the episode. Woody's in charge. Don't mess around. However, Woody gets distracted quite early on from his bar managing duties when he gets a letter from his girlfriend, Beth. Lovely. Nice love letter, perhaps. The actress that played Beth also plays a character called Beth in two or three other TV shows. That she does. Yes. And that's uh, Amanda Wiss returns as Beth Curtis. This is her second and final appearance. No more Beth. All the Beth you get in this episode, that's your lot. That's it. Don't get too attached because she's gone. So Woody's distracted from his bar managing duties when he gets a letter from his girlfriend. And he explains to everyone else around the bar that she writes the best letters. And he's really excited to read it out to everyone else. And you can see how happy he is to be reading it. And despite the letter eventually going into, I found someone else, I'm breaking up with you. I'm getting married to someone else. His face stays the same. Everyone else kind of gets the realization. And then at the end of the letter, he's like, this isn't as good as they usually are. I feel like he doesn't twig it very quickly. No, no, no. Oblivious, bless him. And it's a little bit heartbreaking, but in the letter she reveals that she's going to arrive on Saturday to tell him in person, work things out on their way towards getting married in Niagara Falls. It is Saturday. Because his wound wasn't salty enough, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Fraser thinks it's a blessing in disguise, though, and I can't remember exactly what he says, but says some quite big words to basically just say, It'll be right. Like, you'll get over it. And Woody just turns around and goes, I know how you feel, Dr. Crane, <laughs> which is a call back to the cold open. Some cold opens are clearly, right, here's a quick joke, we'll put this in. But this one, no, they, they crafted. Holistic view of the episode. In wrestling, we call that long-term story booking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what, what I did like about this, and this isn't long-term story booking, because Fraser says that maturity comes out of a breakup kind of thing. Like, it, he'll get more mature. When Fraser was left at the altar, he went in a downward spiral fast. Oh. Yeah. he hit the bottle and then the floor is what he did (laughs) he lost his job as a psychiatrist he became the janitor at cheers briefly that's how woody first met him that's how beth met him as the cheers janitor the guys then tell him to just sort of go wild they're like oh boston's full of beautiful women just you know go and spread your wings get over it sort of thing 
So your Indiana notes. That's it. <laughs> he says, I'm going to make love to the first woman that I find, basically, and then tries to hit on every woman at the bar to no avail. He's got a bad line, though, I think. I've been experiencing grief all afternoon. Instead of kill myself, I'd like to take you out to dinner. That feels a bit much. That's not getting you any extra brownie points. That won't work. So he's coming off a little bit strong on people, I think, yeah. But he's probably he's taking guidance from Cliff and Norm. So mm. he's like, we need to talk to someone who knows a lot about women, this being Sam, and he's not here, but Sam's scripture is. <laughs> yes. His little black book. The book of Samuel, as it will henceforth be called. Before that, Beth and Beth, his, his now ex-girlfriend, and Leonard, her new partner, arrive into the bar, I think. And Leonard says, like, I didn't mean for it to happen. It was fate and this, that, and the other. And it's, it's all a little bit awkward. Yeah, you shut your mouth, Leonard. Classic Leonard. <laughs> Diane then sort of steps in and tries to not diffuse the situation, but to kind of soften the blow and, to, and kind of makes up this story and says, oh, well, Woody's actually got a new girl in his life. And when Woody's trying to describe, it's like, oh, what's she like? And he's like, oh, she's like four, four foot five, five foot five foot four. She's, she's there. She's got height, I'll tell you. The height. <laughs> they go to leave and Diane says, oh, it's a shame that you can't stay and meet his new girlfriend. And so they kind of arrange to do a dinner date later, which is then when Woody realizes I'm in it here because I don't have a girlfriend. I don't know what I'm going to do. They then find the book of Samuel. This book has been in it since season one. This is a relic. Well, yeah. And uh, me and James, once I think we said when it first opened that if someone opens it, it'll be like the scene from Indiana Jones where people's <laughs> faces melt. <are. laughs> well, Cliff's face almost did. He's warned off it, isn't he? He's like, oh, they're like, don't go near that book. It's this is a book too powerful. It's like the dark hold is what it is. <laughs> That's it. It's full of the the dark magic. You can't go near that. They flick through trying to find some numbers to, to call, and Woody finds one with I think quite a few stars next to it. Diane's in there, and. She realises she's in there and reads it. Diane Chambers, probably the most incredible woman I ever met. Don't you agree, Diane? Well... <laughs> He's even read traps in this book. At one point, Cliff said, like, before they kind of get to the numbers in the book, Cliff says, oh, he pulls out his book. He's like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll find you one of my tootsies. And Carla turns around and goes, he wants something that lives above ground. <laughs> <laughs> Proper drive-by by Carla there. She, she wasn't even in the vicinity. She was just carrying a tray and she just went, hang on. Brutal. I'm just going to chuck some salt on this situation. <laughs> they come across someone in there called Tina Wilson, who's described as fun and sexy and easy. And they're like, ah, oh, sounds interesting. And it turns out that she's already at the bar and Woody tries it on and she's having none of it. That's it. I think she he rings her. And it turns out that she's already at the bar and uh, she's like, I'm not interested. And he's like, oh, well, when would be a good time to call you? <laughs> Whilst he's still got the phone in his hand. He's grasping, isn't he? Clutching. He's yeah. reaching. And then they come across all of the stars. All of the stars for a woman named Desiree. I think Norm says, if she had any more stars, you'd have to pledge allegiance to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gold. She's also described as the best, the best the best. the best. I keep thinking of the song from Karate Kid where it's like, you're the best, the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's some more to add to the Spotify players there then. You can... Oh yeah, get that on. <laughs> Absolutely. But this leads to a phone call with Desiree, which goes pretty well from what we can gather. And she's going to come in and be his, uh, his date for the evening. Mm -hmm. so, so he thinks. Before we delve into how that goes, let's look at the guest list, the cast here. Who we got? 
Got a nice little uh, tasty fact hidden within the guest list as well. Here we go. Amanda Wiss as Beth Curtis. You know she's here. Catherine McGrath as Desiree Harrison. She also appeared in Hill Street Blues, The Immaculate Conception, and a musical version of A Tale of Two Cities. John Brace as Leonard Twilly. Other than Cheers, he also appeared in Truth or Dare, A Critical Madness, and the documentary about it. Pamela Hedges as Tina Wilson. She also appeared in Cover Up, Jake and the Fat Man, and O'Hara. Barbara Chase as Woman. She also appeared in Elvira's Halloween special, Ryan's Hope, and a few others. And here's a fact that I found. She is also the older sister of Tanya Roberts. Nice. Yeah. Rest in peace, Tanya. We have Steve Gianelli as Steve, Tim Cunningham as Tim, and Al Rosen is uncredited as Al. The gang's all there. Yeah. Why can't Barbara play Barbara? That's what I want to know. Everyone else is getting to use their names. She's a woman. <laughs> Preaching to the, the choir, John. Uh, I, I, I thought it was bad when we had that person, Tim Cunningham, I think it was. He had three different names until they went, you know what, we'll go with Tim. <laughs> so yes, Desiree does arrive at the bar. He decides, oh, okay, we're going to have a date. And then he has to decide who's going to run the bar in his place while he goes on this date. And so between Diane and Carla, they say, oh, well, we'll make a speech. We'll kind of plead our case to the, the rest of the bar to see who's going to come out on top. And Carla comes up and just says, if I'm elected, no way will Diane make a speech. And instantly she wins <laughs> and is lifted up and hoisted up. <laughs> just no faff. No faff. It's a good way to win an election, I think. Shortly after Desiree does arrive... And uh, things aren't quite what they seemed. She's come in like her sweats ready to clean. And we find out that she's not, in fact, the, the date for the for an evening, but she's actually Sam's cleaner. The best cleaner. This isn't known at first, which leads to a lot of kind of carry-on type conversations. <laughs> like, oh, what do you want to start now? Should we go in the back room? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Woody says as she walks in, is it just me or does she look different to what she did on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> She's a bit older, isn't she? A bit older than expected. So many innuendos. Like, oh, well, what are we going to need? Oh, well, you'll need a bucket and this and a, a hard brush. And Oh, my. <laughs> Woody's reaction is to run through this and go, guys, Sam's into stuff we didn't realize. <laughs> this is taking a turn. Woody then has to explain that there's been a mistake or at least goes to try to, but... Beth and Leonard then come in and see her, to which Beth says, well, I was expecting someone a little younger, Woody. And Woody says, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there's part of this episode which uh, I thought was going to come was an explanation to Desiree, but she it never gets explained to her the situation. She just goes along with it. She just goes along with it, bless her. She's a good sport. Diane then sort of feels that she does need to come clean about the situation, and Woody agrees. <laughs> It's just like, but you don't say anything to my mum about this. And she says, mum's the word. He's like, no, no, don't say anything to my mum about this. <laughs> but they do go to dinner before they come clean. And it seems like they had an all right time at dinner. Yeah. He almost got away with it, I'd say. This is the thing. I think Desiree's smarter than Woody. She's got street smarts. Yeah, she knew what was up. But at the moment Woody went, <laughs> uh, she knew what was up. And she, yeah, they enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good dinner. Yeah. I like food. You also like food? Let's eat together. Yes. That, that's the line Perfect. you need to use, Woody. <laughs> Woody does have that chat where he comes clean to Beth. And Beth mm. goes, I did suspect something when she forgot your name halfway through dinner. <laughs> they then kind of have the realisation that they can't be together because Beth doesn't want to move to Boston and Woody doesn't want to leave Boston. It's a real sweet conversation. 
Yeah, it is. Layered with some sad truths. Agree that, but she gives him a parting kiss on the cheek. And then they leave the bar, and that's the last we see. They go off to get married, and that is the ballad of Beth and Leonard. (laughs) And Woody leaves him with a sort of parting gift of saying, you better look after her. That's it. You better. Unless you feel the, the wrath of Woody. The rest, that's it. <laughs> You're for the hard end of the broom. <laughs> I know a cleaner. She knows what to do with the broom. <laughs> Speaking of cleaners, she then I think goes to the, the toilet or the bathroom because Woody suggests, oh, let's go dancing or something like that. So she goes off. She's like, I'm not ready for dancing. I'm not dressed for dancing. And so she goes off to the loo to kind of prepare or something like that. But then as she comes back out, overhears everyone kind of mocking her. Particularly Norm. Yeah. Come on, Norm. Salty. Not so nice. She overhears them mocking her and immediately storms to the front door. And Woody then attempts to follow her and explain the situation, or at least try and explain the situation. He still doesn't actually come clean about it, though, does he? He's just, oh, well. I was expecting someone else kind of thing. I was expecting someone else, but we got on well. We had a nice evening and I just kind of want someone to talk to, which is really sweet. I thought it was really, really nice. Really nice. And she's like, yeah, all right. Why not? All right then. Yeah. And they don't go dancing because effort. So they they go and have coffee (laughs) instead, which is, you know, much easier. Sit, drink, done. Yeah. It's just turning into quite a a sweet ending, really. Yeah. I'm not sure if Desiree will come back or not. I hope she does, though. Feels like it'll be an interesting character. Yeah. As they leave, though, I think she turns around and says, this isn't going to be one of those December to May romances, is it? And Woody says, well, December's the holidays, but May's fine. (laughs) That's the trivia bell, which means we're into the the trivia section, arguably James's favourite bit, I think. I love me some facts. Big fan of that. Snackalicious. Troy, did you receive any let, any questions in the in the mail? I received nothing, but that's fine. That's fine. There's still time to build for that. They don't know you're here yet. Go to your old address. That's it. Yeah. Well, in in fairness, I did have to move house last week, so they're probably they're probably stacked up in the letterbox. I just can't get to them because there's building work going there. I can kick off with a, a question. In this episode, there's like this kind of slightly weird running story of uh, a news report that's going on. Can either of you remember what this news report's about? It sort of reoccurs about two or three times. If, if it's not this, I'm going to sound legitimately <laughs> insane. <laughs> Is it that a uh, fortune teller's head has exploded? Yeah, psychic's heads are ex- exploding across Boston. Wow. That's the B plot. I mean, it's only like in passing like two or three times and it's like, I thought it was really weird. That would have been a twist if Frasier just walked into the bar and goes, hi, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did a little bit of research and um, someone did a video essay exploring the, the visual metaphor of uh, heads exploding in film. And they said it's the ultimate metaphor for the release of entitlement, a representation of revelations so powerful they can't be contained within the limited confines of the human skull. It happens in a razor head, doesn't it? It does happen in a razor head. Uh, that was what you did your uh, dissertation on for university <laughs> dissertation, wasn't it, John? It was David Lynch, I remember that. David Lynch, yeah. I thought yeah. it was very edgy. <laughs> Everyone who writes about <laughs> David Lynch thinks they're edgy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so there must have been some big revelation in this episode. What, And that's why psychics' heads were exploding across America. <laughs> you wait till the next episode, it will all come together, won't it? You know, <laughs> Like you say, Fraser's head's going to explode. <laughs> Where is Sam going fishing? Simple question. He's going to go fishing in a body of water. But which? Ah, I don't know. Cape Cod. Cape Cod, yeah. 
I mean, I was going to say the clue is it's named after an animal. So you, you got pretty close anyway. Did you say animal or cannibal? It's named after a famous cannibal. No, it's named after an animal. Lake Lecter, as in Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> the famed cannibal. No, 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 an animal. Oh, I know. <laughs> is it Lake Dahmer? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got nothing. It's Moose River. Moose River. Wider than a mile. This is just a very quick question. How do you spell move? M-O-A-V-E. He's close, isn't he? He's close. I wouldn't have got this because this is why I asked. It's a very mean question to ask, to be honest. M-A-U-V-E. Yeah, that was it. So it just, it shows that me and Troy, we're, we're Sam's. James, you're a, you're a Diane. How does Diane describe Woody's fake girlfriend when Beth first arrives and she's like, no, Woody, don't, don't be for bad. Oh, all the sympathy pouring out of me. So Diane's like, hey. You, Beth, you're coming in here with your sympathy. We None of that. <laughs> I've got a description of Woody's girlfriend for you. How does she describe the girlfriend? Description of her hair. Something to do with her hair, I know, is mentioned. Well, well, I know what Woody says. Woody says she's tall and she smiles good. Four foot, four foot, five, five, five foot, four. She, she says a good height. <laughs> Diane says she has cornflower blue eyes, Titian hair and a Raffalesque figure. Raffalesque figure. Yeah, as in belonging to the painter Raphael, which is oh. one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that's about as much as I know of him. I mean, I'm not sure I want a figure like one of the turtles. <laughs> it's a good look if you're a turtle. I mean, they get their cardio in, but they do eat pizza all the time, so... Yeah, but that's the thing. So they, they need the carbs from the pizza in order to do their cardio. See? Thinking. They're lean. This is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. <laughs> this episode, <laughs> Diet. That's the last call at the bar then. That means we get to get around in. What are we feeling like drinking for this episode? Something clean. I think Desiree would appreciate something clean. <laughs> or lemon-scented. Le- <laughs> Le- lemoncello. Yes, that definitely cleans your insides, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just something fresh. That's it. There is a cocktail called a Desiree. Apparently Ooh. it's incredibly simple to make. It consists of just five ounces of creme de cassis with an ounce of vodka. Some recipes call for Stoichnaya specifically, which I imagine is a type of vodka. But yeah, I mean, it looks nice. You can garnish it with a twist of lemon if you want that clean, fresh smell. Toilet duck. Yeah, just just wipe the <laughs> lemon on the rim. Or of, of, of the glass, not, not the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and we might put this on a house special. Uh, we, we release a newsletter every month via our Patreon with recipes. And if we're not careful as well, Desiree might end up being our uh, guest of the, the month with, uh, with this house special. I mean, she's come in high regard in the Book of Samuel. Maybe she will in our newsletter that releases on our Patreon page too. Many a star, the best. Let's raise our Desirees and we'll uh, toast them to Desiree. And I'm going to try and say Desiree a couple more times in this this last end couple. No, I think we should raise the glass to unlikely friends, I think. Yeah. Yeah. When one door closes, another one opens. Frasier said that this could bring maturity for Woody, and I think maybe it has. No. Desiree, I think this is going to be the start of a wonderful friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers podcast. 